Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can find at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me, back as always, Neil Orfield, uh, Player Q DFS, the, the host of the High Stakes DFS podcast, bringing on guests every week to talk about DFS in general, yep. living yep. life, playing high volume or high stakes DFS and uh, the, the perils of doing so. And for me, the perils this past Saturday was having Donald Cerrone or Joe Lozan in 70% of my lineups. I saw that you had, so you were dead before the first fight even ended. And then you, uh, you, you only had one uh, loopy, loopy Godinez lineup that did not have one of those two in it. That that's right. I mean, I didn't have much loopy Godinez to begin with, but the, the five lineups that had loopy Godinez, the five or seven or whatever, like all of them had the canceled fight except for one of the lines. Yeah, that's but I mean, cool. I was basically from the sec from the second fight. I'm rooting to lose the least, yeah. and uh, I lost. I think thirty something, thirty three percent on the day, that's which which ain't which ain't that bad. Better only, better than I did. Right. Only only because only because I tended to other than Godinez, I was over on the fighters that that did well and under on the fighters that did really badly. Uh, way under on Nami Yunus. Uh, way under on Chaos Williams. Way under on Gato. So I was able to salvage as much as I possibly can. But the most, the more amazing thing to me was that uh, Brian Jester, it's not, it's, not, it's not amazing that he won because he plays a very high variance, good, High unique style, so he does really well or really badly. Uh, yeah. But he won with the eighth optimal. I saw that. I saw that you tweeted that. Because yeah, uh... I know it's a fifteen fight slate, so there's there's many more combinations. So it's not it's not uncommon for not the nuts to be the winning large field GPP lineup. We see slates yeah. where the second or the third, but especially on the smaller cards. And if more of the favorite, more of the chalk hits, you can if the nuts is going to be the winner. Uh, but I think the byproduct uh, of of that occurrence is there are two reasons. One, the canceled fight made up like half the lineups in the contest, so that yeah. eliminated them uh, directly out the gate. And forty seven percent of all lineups contained two five round fighters. Okay. And one of the fights, the winner got like 40-something fantasy 52, points. 52, as right? far as right? That was like the worst fight in UFC history because yeah. they didn't do anything. But like I, I did the calculations before going through res- results DB, and I got it up here. Uh, so 47.12% of lineups contained two five-rounders and two 2.4% stacked at least one of the two fights. So two percent, a little over 2% of lineups had... A, a fight stack of one of those two, at okay. least. Yeah. I mean, some may have had both fight stacks, but typically you don't do that. Uh, and then if you compare the two five-rounder lineups, so out of those 47% of lineups that had two five-round fighters in it, 8.6% had those two, two of them and Fialio. 10.7% had two of them and Chandler. And 9.8% had two of them in Chaos. And about 8% had two of them in Gato. So, like, even out of the two five-rounder lineups, like, 
40, about 40% had those two five rounders and one of those four fighters. So like yeah. the all those dupes that like concentrated around that construction made it like if you didn't get to that construction, your unique percentage went up I by like 10 times. Like yeah. you went you that went dramatically down. So uh in the case that there's so much concentrated uh lineup ownership on a 15 game slate, like it just made it so much more easy to build unique lineups. I was some of I mean I had uh I only I played 125 lineups, you played 150, but mm-hmm. my my under 10 percentage was like like out of my 125 lineups, 107 under fives. Nice. Right. And 37 uniques. And you you were you were a little bit worse than that from a percentage yeah. standpoint. And you had yep. I, I I did I I did the rudimentary calculus. I went through results DB and nice. uh you weren't you weren't as you weren't that bad, but still bad. Like you, I had uh you had twenty two lineups that were ten plus. I had fourteen. Uh I had eighteen lineups that were between five and nine, you had forty. I had thirty seven okay. uniques and you had thirty one uniques. So I can like that. That's not ideal, but it's it's uh not my worst. I've done worse on an MMA slate. Right. Well, that's why I said you didn't do that bad. But uh, the the key was to stay stay away from those constructions. So yeah. so I built primarily. Sure I had I had, I had a ton of the the Nami Yunus fight. So I think I had both of them uh, in a large number. So I'm sure I landed on a ton of that construction, uh, which that construction was looking really good like halfway through the night because through the first seven or eight fights and, and one cancellation in there as well. Only, only Lupi was really doing well, right? Like it seemed like early on, nope, none of the fighters were doing that great. Well, Fialio got 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 a got a hundred. He got a little over hundred, right? But yeah. I mean, he was ninety five hundred. Yeah, Chandler so got, ended up with one hundred three. Like it was a very low scoring slate, had a lot of low scoring winners. Uh, but the, the key was is like you, you basically uh, towards the, the the when the main card started, essentially like unless you had Lupi and Macy Chasson in your lineups. Like you were, you were drawing dead at that point with, even with five fights left, like with the salary yep. points that they were at. Uh, but it still amazes me that, that, uh, Brian's lineup, like the combinations that were better than it, that no one played were his lineup, but with Fialio, cause he had Chandler in that lineup. And then he mm-hmm. had Newsom in that lineup with 65 points at 7,600, but he left 1400 on the table. So you could have yeah. played any nine K or lower fighter in that lineup. Obviously, Lupi was 9K, but he was she was already in the lineup. So there were three fighters above, right? Trinaldo, Brown. Brown had like 69, Trinaldo at 72, and Cortez had 80. That could have fit in that lineup, either with Fialio or Chandler. So those are the, those are the seven lineups. His lineup with yeah. Fialio, and then the, those 2v2 combinations of three fighters above it, and... The Cortez lineup is a is a forty nine seven or a forty nine six lineup, wasn't played, right? That's really yeah, that's surprising. And and how many? It, it was a bigger contest too. It was I mean two hundred. I guess it was twenty five dollar entry fee, so maybe that right. No, no, not not noticeably different. I think thirty three thousand entries. Okay. Like it's not that dramatic of a difference, but it the thing that stuck out was just the the how it condensed. Like if you if yeah. you simply if you simply went into an optimizer and said, I I only want one five rounder. Like you, you, you increased your, I mean, you basically eliminated 47% of the field yeah. right, right there. Yep. 
So like, my I mean, I had a lot of those types of lineups. I had some double five-rounder people in them, but I typically had them with low, you know, that that's a lineup that it's uh, Oliveira, uh, Oliveira, Esparza, Dumont, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dumont was low-owned, right? Trinaldo at like 7% in that lineup, right? A Cameron Van Camp, something in that line, like, like, so I was fine. I was looking through my, my double five rounder and most of them were fine. I did land in, you know, there were a couple that were, you know, I think I had one lineup that was duped like 26 times or something like that. But for the most part, I wasn't that concerned, especially since going in, my approach has been to optimize for under fives rather than unique. Right. Which is, yeah, kind of kind of my approach too. And I did okay on that front today. So here's a question that I have uh, for you. With your rules that you set uh, in your optimizer, could you have gotten to Brian Jester's lineup or any of the seven that would have been better? Uh, I, I I could have got, I could have gotten to the the, the Cortez lineup. Okay, like so that, that one that you could have gotten. The Cortez Fialio or Cortez Chandler lineup. I I absolutely could have could have gotten to. I mean that's. Uh, but the problem was, is that uh, I was like Cortez and Godinez on that range. I was the lowest on. Like the problem was, is that I wasn't yeah. playing. I had them both as overowned, even at their even at their ownership based on my yeah. process. I ended up even with Fialio. I projected him a little bit lower owned, and I projected basically Chandler's and Fialio's uh, ownership projection. I had flipped, so okay. I ended up with more Fialio, less Chandler. And not the other way around, even though that didn't make that much of a difference. But the main thing is, it's hard for me to, it was very hard for me to get the Cortez Loopy lineups. Cortez Loopy Vergara lineups. When I have yeah. a whole bunch of Fialio and have less, because I'm not going to obviously play, uh, 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 no, Vergara against Clayton. Yeah, I'm over on Clayton Rodriguez, who was Vergara's opponent. Uh-huh. Uh, just that I didn't have the opportunity. When out of 125 lineups, when I have six Cortez lineups and eight Godinez lineups, the likelihood of those overlapping is going to be yeah. is going to be very very small. I had I had a million lineups from the uh, Nama Yunus fight, and then I also had a lot of Chaos Williams. Uh, so I, was, I had him as way well overowned. I am I, I played oh, very see, little had, Chaos. He he looked good in the uh, top fighters tool. I believe he was a, just slightly underowned in the top fighters tool, and then also just uh, I, I listened to a couple podcasts and they both really liked him and made it sound like that was a high variance fight. So I was like, all right, if that's going to be a high variance fight, I wanted to get to I wanted to get over the field on both of those fighters. Uh, and then in the end, my good lineups all had chaos and not mm. uh, Brown, so didn't didn't work out for me. Uh, I, I was doing pretty well. Like there, there was a point in the night where I had a lineup that had Loopy and had uh, Macy. Uh, Chison and had I don't know it, it was looking good it was according to the uh, I told you about the the guy who sent me his simulations uh, which now I've learned that somebody somebody else in our Discord uses those same simulations and looks at him throughout the night and also Brian Jester I I, uh, I messaged him after your show with him last week and I was like hey is this same guy in your DMs like talking about simulations like oh yeah that's his name I was trying to I was trying to remember his name uh, so I don't know I, I haven't mentioned who the guy is i don't know i i was gonna ask him i haven't yet if he's like wants to be public <laughs> wants us to talk about him publicly but uh anyway i was looking really good in those simulations at one point in the night but then uh all of my good lineups had chaos in them so they all they all died yeah yeah i had i had chaos is i had him in like 12 out of my 125 because at 28 percent ownership his his inside the distance and 
projection was just not was not high. I had more Randy Brown. I had more of his opponent yeah. than anything. But I mean, I was I was just that the main thing is that I was just way over on that Cerrone Lausanne fight. Yeah, seventy so, percent of that fight. I mean, that's that just kills you, right? So I mean, I you know, and, and in my I played three five fifty five entries, and uh, uh, two out of the three five fifty five entries, I had. No, no, I didn't know all three. No, I had Cerrone. I think I had Cerrone in two and Lausanne in one of my 555 entries. So it's like, yeah. I and I ended up cashing one. I mean, like, it was a low-scoring slate. And so it many was. people were over on that co-main event that it's like, as long as, like, I was so under on Nami Yunus that it's like, I was fine. Once the third round hit, I'm like, Nami Yunus, even if she wins, can't even score much. So it's like yeah. maybe I get back a whole bunch of money, and then I was just rooting for Gagey not to win because Gagey would I'd way I way less on Gagey and more on Oliveira. So it's like as long as Asparza and Oliveira win, it's not a it's not a disaster slate, and that and yeah. and it did, I didn't win any money, but the point of which what I had, yeah. I was just like, can I lose the least amount of money possible? But the thing yeah. is coming coming up, uh. For for this coming slate for MMA and for eleven games, I've realized with my pro- if I'm going to optimize for under fives rather than uniques, I have to change that uh, depending on slate size. Because on an sure. eleven fight card, I've already I've already fooled around with some stuff uh, this morning. Uh, that if I use the same process that I use normally for optimizing for under fives. I, I'm not, I, if I was going to play the large field GPP, I should only play like 50 lineups because to find in an 11 fight card enough under fives, I'm going to run into a lot of 10 pluses and 20 pluses doing that. Yeah. And yeah. it's not going to be worth it at that point to have 150 lineups and only have 32 under fives when I could play 50 lineups and end up with like 28 under fives. And that would be so much Better. I mean, I could probably do even better than that, unless I don't mind. Uh, if I optimize for uniques, then I have no problem because then you know I still leave a bunch of salary on the table. But on an eleven fight card, there's less uniques that are available, even leaving right. a thousand on the table. So I, I'm c- contemplating, unless they happen to add fights to the card, that for this coming slate, I may not play the large field contest and just play like three entries into the five fifty five, and. So and so be it, and just save that process for twelve, at least twelve fights. Because once ten, nine, and ten fights, I'm not even like I'm not even yeah. bothering. But I think that the approach that you take for optimizing for uniques, you have to be the the less fights, the way more like you have to exponentially turn up your aggressiveness. And as this mm-hmm. like gets bigger, you could exponentially lower. You're, it's an aggressiveness stand, like fighters. right, yeah. like on a fifteen fight card. I'm fine with one hundred seven out of one hundred one twenty five under fives, and not and like uh, that percentage is actually really good, even in comparison to some of the players that have more uniques than me. Yeah, because I I I ended up with more under fives than a lot of people that had like eighty four uniques, but they have like eighty eight under fives out of right. one fifty, and I have one hundred and seven. Just, I wonder if they run different sets. Like they, they run one set where they're really trying to get unique and then they're doing a different set of lineups that they add in that are a little bit more conservative to try I don't, to I don't like, think balance so. I think most people, no? No, I don't think 
they're not running those those type. I don't I don't at least I don't think so. It just seems like a, a way that you could get to you know eighty four very unique lineups and then a bunch of not that unique lineups would be just running different sets. But maybe for different salary ranges, maybe or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm thinking like maybe they use right. a salary cap for ninety of their lineups and then not for the rest. I don't know. Right, but I'm just saying that that it that from from looking at my past lineups, like the like if I would have done uniques over whatever, uh, it turn it turn like my my the ver- the basically the the swings just go way way up. So like an eleven yeah. fight card, if I optimize for uniques, like. The chances, like, I increased my chances of winning solo and winning under five dupes, but I also dramatically increased my chances of minus 90%. Yeah. Like, so much. But on a 15-fight card, if I optimize for under fives over uniques, I actually come out with a, a higher ROI. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. So, like, so... Th- that's why that on the large card. That's why I like the pay per view cards when they have. I think I'm not 15. I'm not going to play this next weekend because you and I aren't doing a show the following weekend, and I just have not had success in MMA. I mean, I think that it's it's pretty still still a pretty small sample size for me, and I have had some like decent showings with relatively unique lineups showing up pretty high, but I I just don't you know. Yeah, I don't but trust I, when, it as I, when much I started I playing MMA, I lost like 27 of the first 30 slates that I played. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've lost, I think, every MMA slate that I've played. Right, but, but it's like Showdown, an NFL Showdown. It's like that also, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe what, or maybe what you should do is is just play less lineups. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say it. So I was going to tell you, I've been thinking about just in general playing less lineups until I can turn my ship around because I am continuing to to skid right now, not doing so great. Even in baseball, which was, you know, last year I had a pretty great year in baseball. So far this year, I've been. Uh, I was saying last night, uh, Aha Bro won, and I was 50 points off of the winning lineup. My, my best lineup out of 150. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta change my process, do something to try to try to right the ship here. Uh, and might be, in the meantime, just decreasing my exposure a little bit. Well, isn't that isn't that like just a, a fundamental like concept? Especially what what I preach is that you start with building one good lineup. And then three good yeah. lineups, and then five, and then twenty. Like with like, oh, how do I get up to one hundred and fifty? Like people don't understand the perils of playing one hundred and fifty is like way yeah. more risky. Right, than, you can lose a lot of money really quickly. Right, exactly. So like, if like, okay, instead of focusing on trying to make one hundred and fifty good lineups, let me try to focus on making fifty. So if I do make mistakes, and I end up if twenty percent of my lineups are going to be bad or negative EV, let it be ten lineups out of fifty rather than 30 right. lineups out of 150 because that's going to matter. Right. You're going to bleed so much more. You're not going to win often enough to make up for that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even, even aside from just making bad lineups, I've, I've had uh, just uh, user error a few times in the past few weeks. If you're following along in uh, the discord that we're in together, I have now twice in the past three weeks, uh, played a pitcher that was on a double header, but not on the slate and got, of course, the, the, it happened to be both times a pitcher that I got to 40% and I didn't catch it. And it was, uh, I didn't catch it till like shortly after the slate. And I was like, Oh, how, shit, how does that like, happen though? So, so in fantasy cruncher, there is uh, an issue with double headers where if a team is on a double header, it includes both pitchers uh, in on the slate. So like uh, in this case, it was Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers had a double header yesterday, I believe. I think it was yesterday, but either way, uh, both Clayton Kershaw and whoever the other Dodgers pitcher was in, in the other game 
uh, in the doubleheader both show up in Fantasy Cruncher as starting pitchers and in, in my player pool unless I go in and change that. Um, and I, you know, last year I, I had to learn this lesson the hard way and I, this year, you know, learned it the hard way and then forgot because I just uh, didn't give myself enough time yesterday and didn't think to look over the, the pitchers. I think, I think it's a few days ago now at this point. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't have that issue in lineup HQ. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not a fun issue to have, and you know, I can I can curse the, the fantasy cruncher guys. I also got to take some some of the blame myself. Uh, I, I have run into a few issues. I've also been running into an issue where uh, my randomness has not been working. So like, I'll I'll turn on randomness and run a few crunches, and then I'll look after a couple crunches, and uh, I'll see that my randomness has turned off. So then like if I, if I have all my pictures, so I typically set uh, an exposure cap on pictures. It's what I did last year too. just f- find a good like number to use for all pictures. And then I'll, sometimes I'll customize a couple of them. But uh, if you do that and you don't have randomness on, then you get like a hundred percent correlation between the pictures typically. So right. I had that happen on a couple slates and then figured out what was going on that it was, Oh shit. Randomness just keeps turning off. Uh, and I have to go in every time and make sure that it's on before I run the crunch. And then I double check after the crunch to see that it stayed on. Because I, I still haven't figured out what's going on. And I, I reported that and uh, have not gotten – it seems like it's not happening to anybody else. So I don't know what's going on. But it happened on my phone as well as my computer. So uh, that's uh, that's been an issue for me as well. But yeah, seems to be just, in, uh, on line just something going on. No, nope, yeah. don't have that issue. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I had never had it before. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on, but something that I'm working on. But yeah, so so having some issues with uh, with the program and uh, you know some some user error, not double checking stuff. So at some point, you lose long enough. You gotta you gotta adjust something, and I I need to I think refocus. Well, I mean I, I mean if you if you're uh, at risk of user error, imagine average I know, yeah. play. I mean. I've always said that just using an optimizer is is it's it's only as good as the person using it, right? Right. It's not. It's not. I mean, that's, that's very true. Right. And and, and on a on a sim on a similar note, uh, I don't know that I don't know if you've seen on Twitter or like you, uh, you listen to the Bet the Process podcast. Uh, I don't believe I have listened to the podcast. Okay, but you Who, know who's Rufus, Rufus Peabody and Jeff Ma. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Point. I'm aware of that conversation and that uh, Jeff Ma kind of called or asked him why he was selling his projections for DFS. Um, and some people take issue with the fact that he is selling his projections. I saw that you and Nelson Adcock had a back and forth mm-hmm. going on where you were essentially defending Rufus. It seemed like and, and defending people selling projections as you know it's it's a useful thing, and he was saying. I think his his argument was are too expensive. Essentially, like what's the well that was you know, Nelson's argument. That wasn't Nelson's Jeff's argument. argument on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Rufus point. I mean, Rufus made the, the point that that essentially that I made that didn't explain it further, but the fact you know because because Rufus has always been that. I mean, which I agree with that. Like selling picks, like the 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 issue with with picks, for instance, it the, there's there's it's a paradox. Okay, so like the the paradox of sports, the sports betting content industry is one. uh, If your picks, if your picks were good, right, if your picks were good, which means you're betting a good price and a good line. Right. So you're so. Oh, I see. You know, this this bet has 12 percent value on it. I'm going to bet it. So if you were betting it. Like you would bet it yourself. So if you're not betting it yourself, then what the hell is the value of giving it to anyone else? And uh, 
it the pick is only worth as what the price is. So like, right. like I'm not picking the Red Sox to win today. I'm picking Red Sox minus one sixty eight. Red Sox minus one fifty two is a bad bet. Right now, typically when you publish content, the line will move. Right by right. the time someone sees, oh, your pick is the Red Sox. It's already at minus one fifty two. Is that because any sharp better is seeing the same thing and betting it immediately? Like, is it, right, is it well, because that, that's of the, the content? That, that Neil, that's the paradox. Of... So, for okay. for instance, the the time matters. So, like, if if you're if you were betting at the same time as the person providing the value is betting mm-hmm. on the same that where the value is, then then there is value to that. But the problem yeah. is is that if if that pick, quote unquote, which, and what I mean by pick is not who's going to win. It's who's going to win whatever side, total prop, whatever at that yeah, price. Yeah. If that was good, if that, if, if, if that better was good, number one, they'd be putting their own money down on it and then putting the money down and providing the value would, would move the line. Right. Right. So within that, with 10 minutes later, you may not even be able to get that. And that the value has gone in it. So, and the paradox is, is that if the line doesn't move, the, then the pick isn't good to begin with, right? If if if, right. if, so, if someone posts, I want the Red Sox minus 168 at eight in the morning and at six at night, it's now Red Sox minus 172. Like, dude, the yeah, line moves in the other bad. direction, right? Like right. that, like that it, if, the, if, if you were providing value, the value would be gone by the time someone sees it. Right. So that's, right. and then if the, if the line doesn't move, that means the, and it's, the better wasn't the, the, the provider wasn't good to begin with. So like, that's the paradox of what they bring up on the podcast, which makes app, which I completely agree with. The yeah. thing is, is that DFS is not sports betting. Right. Right. Yeah. DFS, the, the line stays the same. Like, or, I mean, it's not a line, it's a salary. Right. <laughs> but the salary, the salary stays the same, but the game isn't about finding the inefficient salary. You don't win by just simply finding the inefficient salary. So for instance, right. we talk about this in theory of, uh, theory of DFS course, right? Theoryofdfs.com. Yep. Here here's the two here's the na- if you want to call it the Nash equilibrium. The two scenarios, okay? Cuz we basically we have projections and we have ownership, right? Cuz every everything that they talk about on the podcast what Rufus is pointing out is that he's providing one side but not the other. Right. The other right. is the skill. That the other part is actually playing the game of DFS. So let's say, for instance, and we'll use golf as an example because that's it. There's not really limited correlation. There's not like you're not you're not doing like you're not stacking. You're not you know just an ownership game. Yeah. Right. It's it's just basically projections and ownership. So yeah. uh, the DraftKings pricing is typically based on the the, the betting odds. Uh, if the pricing was efficient, meaning that if it was if each golfer was priced for the expectation over a million instances, right? Obviously. Uh, so if the pricing was completely efficient, you could build any lineup and on average would score the exact same fantasy points on average over God knows the infinity, infinity, yep. uh, the same. So like, there's no inefficient, like the $7,100 golfer is worth $7,100. The $7,400 golfer is worth $7,400, okay? That's an right. efficient projection-based market, right? Yep. Now, if the pricing is inefficient, projections will show which ones are inefficient, right? So that's what, the pro- right? This pitcher is a $9,800, but really, if we adjusted all the pitcher's salaries for what they're actually worth based on projections, he should be 10 6 
This right. pitcher that's eighty two hundred really should be seventy six hundred. So he's not he's not worth the salary. So your goal, if if ownership didn't matter, would be to build the lineup that has that gets the most amount of points for the least amount of salary based on expectations, and that's what projections would be for. So if that was the only game in town, if you were playing against the house, right, mm-hmm. in a fixed odd scenario, projections, it's like everyone would have the same line. If you had accurate yeah. projections. You just use the full salary cap. Right. You just use the full, you'd use the full salary cap and you'd play the players that are the most inefficiently priced. So essentially you're playing a 50 K lineup. That's worth 52 six rather than, than worth 50 K or, and, and higher than that. That's in that efficient market, but that's not what DFS is. DFS also has an ownership market. So now in, let's say we take away the, the player pricing, we take away the projections, everything. If all the if all the golfers were efficiently owned perfectly for their expectation mm-hmm. and on their salary, there's no there's there's as as long as uh there's no there's no way to get uh exploitative advantage, right? They're all played at the same frequency, all things being equal, that you could build any any lineup you want. Like if the ownership was perfect and the player salaries were perfect, there's literally no way to beat the game in the long You're run. Just gonna, the rake is going to the rake is going to win. No one could beat the game. Literally, that that's that's it. You're done. Yep. But the problem, the, the the issue is, is that the ownership isn't efficient either. So, for instance, let's say your projections. I mean, I'm explaining this to you. I, you you understand what I'm talking about. I'm doing this yeah, yeah. for the general audience. So, let's say in a golf, for instance, we're using golf because they use golf as an example. Uh, a, a, a golfer is, uh, 14, uh, four, uh, 14, uh, is, uh, not 14, uh, is 7,600, but based on projection should be 8,200. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if all the golfers were owned the same way, if, if the ownership didn't matter, you'd play the $7,600 golfer worth 8,200 rather than the $7,600 golfer that's worth 7,700, right? You would, right. you would automatically do that. The thing is, is that. The $8,200 golfer is going to be 26% owned and the $7,600, the other golfer is going to be 14% owned. So it's like that, that the efficiency of the salary is also is mitigated by the ownership difference between the two, between the two players. So if the ownership was efficient, it wouldn't matter which golfer you played, right? Because it's like, yes, this golfer has a higher expectation for his salary, but is also twice as owned or also whatever proportion own more. So if both markets were efficient, there's really no lineup that you could build that has that much of an edge over another, as long as you're using all of your salary. But in golf betting, there's no ownership component to it. There's none of that. You just look and go, well, based on my projections, this guy has a, a, uh, a 28 to one uh, chance of winning and the current betting odds are 40 to one. So bet on it, right? Right. But there's no there's no such thing as uh, well. Well, what happens if uh, there's what happens if twenty thousand people are betting on the same number, right? Now, obviously, the odds start coming down, and it's like, well, these I still have him as a twenty eight to one shot. Now it's down to thirty five to one. Well, there's still value in there's still not as much value as at forty to one, but there's still mm-hmm. value in that. Even though more people are betting on it, it's not really affecting you. Now, once it comes under twenty eight to one, then you can't bet on it. then then. Then right. there's no value there, but you say golf. You want you, at golf if you say that 
on a, on a full field slate, there's a $7,600 golfer that's really worth $8,200. So not like absurdly. And you're going to tell me his 72% owned. Like it doesn't matter what your projections say that like in yeah. the game of DFS that he should not be 72% yeah. owned. So most likely fate. the lineups that you play without him are worth more, even though they're projected less. Right. So like that second part is the, to me, that's most of the skill of DFS is determining yeah. what that arbitrage is and yeah. simple raw player projections don't do that. But without simple raw player projections, you can't even get to the point of one projecting value, projecting ownership, projecting anything else. So like if you're sitting there right. with no projections, you can't figure out what they should be owned at. So you right, can't, you can't even figure out that. Right. Yeah. So like the value of projections themselves, you either are doing it yourself or getting it from some, you're doing something, even if it's in yeah. your head, even if it's that I think this and I think that, but the accuracy of that is probably going to be much less than anything else. Right. Both me and you, we don't make our own projections, but if you, yeah. if they, if, if they eliminated, if you couldn't go to Awesome and you couldn't go to Roto Grinders, if you couldn't go to ETR, if you couldn't go to Daily Roto, I can name any site. If they just eliminate it, it's like player projections do not exist publicly available for any price whatsoever. And no one would share them. You have to, you have to build your own model yourself. Like if we, if, if that went away and you didn't build your own, could you, do you think, do you think that you would be profitable in DFS? Uh, in MLB? Yes. Well, in MLB with knowledge of some knowledge of the players in the game, I think so. Just because I think the correlation matters so much and you can kind of get an idea based on salaries, uh, but not in like NBA for sure. Not, um, yeah, not in most. Well, well, okay. Instead of saying if you would be profitable, would your profitability go down? Oh yes. Yes. Right. Cause you couldn't, you could rely on playing the game, the game theory aspect of DFS better than others, but your accuracy level on that is going to be way, yeah. way lower. And like I say I, that I would be profitable in MLB and I'm not even profitable this year in MLB with projections. Right. So probably not. <laughs> but, 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 but that's the point that, that your start that that projections are a starting point. Yeah. Like, but the fact the fact that projections alone won't win you money long term in DFS doesn't make them not valuable. Right. It's one of the components that you need to be right. successful. Right. Yeah. And even if the components around if if you can like if you can make a model as uh as good as what's available in the industry, then you wouldn't need to pay for Awesomeo. You wouldn't need to pay for anything. But how much time is that going to take? So, so what are right. you paying? You're paying for getting the end product without that may be better than what you can do yeah. for less amount of time. So, like, there's value there. And then in bet between sites, like even though I yes, I I do shows on Roto Grinders, and yes, you do shows on Awesomeo. Right, you use awesome projections. I use Roto Grinders projections, but I also I use projections from everywhere. Right, yeah. And people do ask me. They go, which side? Like, which side has the best projections? And I and I go, and unless unless you're at the highest level of play, I would suggest that you that you get projections from wherever you'd like, better than having none. So yeah. even though I would say, yeah. Yeah, I I like I I prefer the Roto Grinders NBA projections, even though I look elsewhere. 
But if it's like, mm. if you trust Mike Gallagher and Leone and Dink, and you trust them for whatever reason at ETR, then get their projections for NBA. If you trust, sure. you know, Adam and Josh and, and Alex and... If, the differences between the projections, other than some conjecture over uh, minutes for certain situations, right, are yeah. not going to be that dramatic. Over the course of a season, the differences right. between the projections of those three sites are are marginal, right? right? There may be slight differences on certain slates, but they'll be made up for in other slates. So if you just went like that, but the difference between getting those one of those three sources of projections and having no projections is dramatic. So yeah. you can make the claim like like uh like Jeff did. It's like, well, what are your projections for you're selling something that that you say provide no value provides no you're not gonna win at DFS with these projections. It's like right. it's like you're you're absolutely right, but you have to have some, you have to have something. You you're gonna golf with a club, right? If you go to the golf yeah. course and you're gonna go, uh, like I could buy the most expensive clubs that that uh, that whoever that Rory McIlroy uses. Like you, it ain't gonna make you a better golfer, yeah, right. And you're gonna go, well, why should I buy those expensive clubs when I could buy cheaper clubs? It's like, well, you absolutely can buy cheaper clubs, but you know the one thing that you can't do, not have any clubs, right? So you're gonna buy clubs, right? Or maybe. The, the clubs that you could get for, you know, uh, that from the, the, the pro shop that they rent out. I mean, it's like, wait, like I've, I've gone to, I've played like pitch and putt before. Right. And they'll give, they'll give you two things. They'll give you like, like a, like a, like a nine iron or something, an eight iron and like, and a putter or something like that. It's like, okay, imagine they just gave you that and you're now on the full golf course. Can you still play golf? Yes. How well are you going to do when you have a 490 yard hole and you right. just have a nine iron, right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want a driver, right? What happens if you only? What happens if you only have a, a two, a one iron, uh, a five iron, and a seven iron, and no putter now? Now you have to putt with an iron. Yeah. Like you're gonna do. You still yes, you still have to play golf well, but you're really you. Maybe you should buy a putter, right? Can you play without a putter? Yes, of course you could play without a putter. So is, is the putter not valuable? Like that's how, that's kind of the analogy that I give that like, would you rather play with three clubs in your bag or a full bag of clubs? Go pay for the full bag of clubs. It ain't going to, hey, you ain't going to hit the course record. Yeah. You're probably going to be 20 over par regardless of, but would you rather be 20 over par or 30 over par? Because you don't, you don't even have a driver and you have to hit the ball three times in order to get, get three or four times just to get near the green. Like you can't argue that it's valueless because you in, still in need it as a base school, starting point. We would use the the phrase necessary but not sufficient for right. projections. You need to have them. Doesn't mean that just the the fact that they don't make you a great DFS player doesn't mean that they're not necessary to your process. And the better they are, the better you're likely going to do, assuming you know how to use them. Right. So you say necessary but sufficient. Necessary, necessary but not sufficient. But not sufficient. Okay, because that's going to be the title. I'm going to put that necessary, but not sufficient. It's good. It's a good title. Right. Because even even on the on the other side, if we if we look at DFS, uh, if you were to just have player projections, like which would which would you which would you rather have? Okay, would you rather have the most accurate 
player projections or the most accurate ownership projections? It's really good question. Um, like if you could right, only player, operate with one, I'm not saying, okay, player okay projections, here, player. I, I have to, I have to phrase this twice. And so there's two questions here, Neil. Okay. We're going to start with the first one. If you could only have one, so it has nothing to do with accuracy. So if you could only have one, you could have player projections or ownership projections. So if you, you're, you're either playing with one or the other. So if you have the ownership projections, you don't have player projections. Yeah. If you have player I, projections, like temp- you have no ownership projections. I'm, att- I'm, I'm tempted to say ownership projections, assuming I have like enough knowledge of the sport that I sort of have like an internal player projections, but like really just in a vacuum, it would be player projections because you need to have projections to be able to make, you know, high projected lineups and... Yeah, but couldn't I think, but I think it would be player projections. Couldn't you say uh that ownership projections do that already? Ownership projections tell you who's a good play? Right. Yes. I mean assuming the field knows what it's doing, which typically yes. Uh right. Yeah. Wouldn't you say if I if I if I had ownership projections for NBA and a player was gonna be eighty six percent owned? Uh, you know, that $4,200 point card that's going to play 38 minutes, you know, like, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, everyone's out and, you know, yep. you know, something like that. Like if I knew that this guy's 86% owned, that th- these three Blazers are all 80 plus percent owned, would I need to know the exact median, made, would I need to know anything? Would I need to, like, I would have to know that in NBA for any player to be 80% owned, yeah, they're, 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 all, they're most likely actually going to be under owned because they probably should be 90%. Like, yeah. Like True. I would know that without the numbers in front of me. True. Yes. So are you saying that you would rather have ownership projections than player projections? Yeah, absolutely. But you could also argue. See, the the thing is, is that the 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 opposite may not necessarily be true. So you have to make the assumption on both sides. So like what you asked about the ownership projections makes sense, right? The ownership projections would be worth would be very valuable if the field was really good right yeah. if the if the ownership projections are uh, of course the more efficient they become then the less you could beat the game right if they were perfectly accurate then you need to be dead uh yeah. so like if if the fee, if you value that the wisdom of crowds is worthwhile then the ownership projections should should be sufficient enough that you would not need player projections now on the other side of the spectrum if you just had player projections and no ownership projections, you could use your player projections just the same way you could use the ownership projections to then project ownership. Go, if everyone's looking at these same projections, let's simulate it out and go, well, the, the efficient ownership of this player, you'd, you'd be able to figure out the efficient ownership of players. You don't know what the field's going to do. I mean, that's what a lot of people currently, they take their own player projections. They go, I don't know what the field's going to do, but I know that that balanced strategy of, yeah. Well, he should be 36% owned. I don't know if he's going to be what he's going to be. So like with player projections themselves, there is a process without ownership projections to beat DFS, but you're still yeah. doing it by projecting efficient ownership. Now with the ownership projections, you can't project efficient ownership because you have no player projections, but you can project value based on that. So like, Depending on the skills that you have, for instance, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of it's kind of weird to say. I think I flip flopped on this. <laughs> I I think based on our skills, it ownership projections are are a player project 
Hmm. It'd be easier to come up with your own ownership projections knowing the player. But like, if you see that there's a 7,900 player and an 800 uh, 8,000 player in NBA and the 7,900 player projects one point better than the 8,000 player. We know that the 7,900 player is going to be way more owned than the 8,000 player because he's cheaper right. and he projects better. He's going to end up way higher owned. So I think we can kind of get an idea of what the ownership is going to be just based on the, the knowing the projections right. to some extent. Right. So you could get you. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way of what, if you only had, one, could you come up with a reasonably way to get the other? Now, with the ownership projections, you're never going to be able to get a reasonable, like, exact numbers. But you could probably build, with both sides, you could uh, re-engineer lineups that are plus EV. Like, with either, as long as as long as you understand the, the, the game theory of DFS, you should be able to do that anyway, right? Yeah. So one, having one... Is required like having neither is your debt. Like having yep. neither, now you're just running. Now you now you're mashing buttons at that point, pretty much, right? You can rely on the the correlation aspect, like MLB. Like I say, by default, if if any casual person person came up to the street and goes, "I don't want to play professionally. I don't care. I just want to have a fun time and not like lose my ass," I would go in MLB. Like you utilize and just say, uh, "Look at look look at the team totals, and take like out of the top five team total teams." Pick two, stack five, three, the two lowest team total teams, play the pitchers against like if you just did that by default, you're pro you you probably just yeah. stack five three, stack four, four, do you know, just don't overcomplicate anything. You you could you could possibly be profitable doing it that way. I think that's essentially what I used to do. Like before I got awesome projections, I used to essentially just look at the team totals and just stack five, three and take the pitchers that are the other team is not supposed to get a lot of runs. I think that's like a large part of what I did. Uh, and it was, it, I, I wasn't successful doing that, but I think I was like pretty close. Like I, yeah, I think that's right. A lay person would, would be competitive enough that if they just did that only cause MLB offers that now in, in right. golf, like the, there's nothing. It's just like, I don't know anything about guy. I want to pick six golfers. Like the pricing is, is typically efficient enough that like, as long as you use 50 K your salary, you're, you're, you're probably, you're probably, you're probably fine. You're cl as cl close as you could, could get to that. But now let me ask the other question. Cause we were only talking about if you only had one, uh, which if you had both, which is, which is, worth more accuracy wise would you if you were having player projections and ownership projections which ones would be worth more accuracy overall uh i feel like it's a very similar answer uh i don't think it's that similar i, I think it's it's a it's a it's a different question because yeah. like in the first one we're like well if we had one can we can we engineer the other side Right? right, but we're already we're already seeding accuracy as a fact. Like you're not going to be able to do it accurate. Like we already seed that that I having mean, one I, or the other is not an accuracy issue at, at all. Like like yeah, you you, you just want to be directional. Have... You just want to be directionally correct. Like I can take yeah. the ownership projections and then go. Well, I'm going to out of these three eighty. I can take all three of these eighty percent guys as long as I throw in some seven and five percent on guys and be reasonably directionally accurate and I could 
come up with something. Yeah. Same for the player projections. You go, well, these guys project for 12x. So I'm going to play all three, but I'm going to make sure that like this guy that projects for like 5.8x at, at 8,800 in NBA is going to be maybe a little bit over-owned. So I'm going to go down because I'm playing the three chalky guys together. Like you could get to the same point from a lineup construction for leverage that way. You're not going to be accurate because you only have one side of the, the, the puzzle, but you understand what the puzzle is. The thing is, is that in the first example, both these examples, you at least understand what the puzzle is that you're trying right. to solve. Right. Yeah. In this example now, you understand what the puzzle is, but now you get to choose which one is more accurate. So, like, obviously, so I, the sp- obviously the sport would matter. So I think NBA versus yeah. the other sports would matter a little bit more. MMA, just give me the ownership. Right. 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 If it's yeah. Golf, you pro- gol- golf, just give me the ownership. Yeah. So, right? I mean, and it's like you want the, the medium projection or the range of outcomes. And well, I'm talking, not, the full player, yeah. if you want to call them percentile projection, I'm not just talking about the medians. Yeah. So, so you get me, everything involved with what okay. that would be. For, for me, it would st- it would be the player projection still. Um, and my response is partially because everybody that I ask on high stakes, uh, what kind of what kind of player do you consider yourself to be? None of them play an exploitative style. They just play a balanced style, which essentially you can – you don't need the ownership projections to play a balanced style, right? I mean, you're just you're just kind as, of lo- as long as you have the skill to to basically yeah make. But you're telling me that I do. you're telling me that I have accurate exposures. So if I have, or not I didn't say accurate, you had accurate uh, exposure projection. I thought I you said if you can only choose one, play uh, right. accurate player projections or accurate uh, or accurate ownership projections. So in this case, it would be, I think, easier to come up with accurate exposures if you have accurate player projections than ownership projections. But I think, I, but that question, that the answer depends on your 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 goal. Because I'm in talking to like someone like Nerdy Tenor, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that podcast episode was great for the balance versus exploitative. Like, and I've shown with my Marvel example on the the pregame show that. If you use the player projections to build a balanced, perfect balanced strategy, you profit, right? Yeah. You profit off of whatever the field makes uh, as a mistake. But if you if you could predict what the field's going to do, compared to that efficient ownership, you can make more money. So it's the, yeah. to me, this is not not a question of which is there's no such thing as better, right? So if you have the skill to to simulate, if you like, do all of that type of stuff and make it so that I'm playing perfect basic strategy, balanced basic everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way, there's no way to lose, right? Right. But you're not making the most amount of money. Right. Now, if you're if you're playing an exploitative style, the way that you lose in an exploitative methodology is when you get ownership wrong. So, like I said on this MMA slate, I I had Fialio. Uh, projected lower and Chandler flipped. So technically my Chandler lineups were a little bit higher leverage than I expected. And my Fialo lineups were a lower leverage than I expected. Mm-hmm. So some of I had my Fialo lineups were more likely to be duped a couple of more times than my Chandler lineups. Cause I thought it would be the opposite. Okay. But right. if I had perfect ownership projections, I would never make that mistake. So like sure. from an if if you're coming if you're approaching DFS as an exploitative game, yeah, sh- I I would vastly prefer knowing exactly like like Neil. I know I'm trying I'm trying to like, force my 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 opinion so, on this. Imagine yeah. you know remember that the holy grail of all applications that I would want is the 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 contest simulations, 
right? Sure. To be able to take projections, take ownership, right? That's publicly available, right? And be able to put them together and go based on the correlation coefficients and what the field does in the pad, everything. I want, there's 33,000 lineups in this contest. I want you to, to, to some degree of accuracy, it's not going to be perfect, create all the lineups that are going to be in this contest. And then using the projections and everything, simulate this contest a million times. And then yep. which lineups have show the highest ROI, which lineups win more times than not. Like that would be, that would be the whole, that be the Holy grail. Right. But that requires simulating what you think the lineups are. What if I told you, I could tell you exactly what the lineups are. Like if, if that'd be helpful, right. Like, right. Then you, you couldn't get it wrong. Right. right. So it's like, like, not only do I not have to predict what the lineups are going to be, I know what the line, like, imagine taking the CSV after MMA lock at 501 and mm-hmm. going, you know, this information at 450. All right. Obviously early yeah. in the day in order to simulate, you're not going to need more than 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. Let's say you knew exactly all the line. You could go through and go, what, what are the, you could get rid of every lineup that is duped. Right. Yeah. And just I'm eliminate that from your, right. And you could automatically have 150 unique lineups no matter yeah. what. Right. And then of course I'm putting a little asterisk here. If you're able to do that, that means other people are able to do that. And then there ends up being this anti-competitive nature of like, well, they know that that's going to be duplicated and this one is going to be used one time, but who's going to get to that one? And everyone's going to try to get to the one and it ends up being duplicated four times. Yeah. Right. Cause then people know what they know. But like, if you could look into the future and know that these are the exact lineups in theoretically, you wouldn't be you you would it would be impossible for you to paint like unless unless you don't understand what the puzzle is like knowing what the puzzle is mean you know like we'd be able to like you wouldn't have a lineup that had chaos williams that's duplicated 47 times right so how is that so I, how is that not worth more to you so here, here's why it's so when you say uh you, you can only have one that's accurate like you, you can either have the most accurate, or accurate. Right. Right. Okay, so so I guess it it depends on the range of the accuracy of the other one because I think that accurate ownership or sorry, uh, uh, having accurate ownership without knowing anything about the projections is not useful at all because you don't know how they're whether uh, whether the ownership is where, where are the inefficiencies you don't know who's underowned or overowned without any kind of projection whereas projections without any kind of decent ownership still have value. So I think, so that's why I answer, I would prefer to have the projections because I think the ownership- well, that's one or the other. I mean, that's have... why I'm talking about just the accurate. That's why, that's why when we first started, I had to say, I, I need, there has to be two different questions here. Yeah. Because so I can understand so your position of... for like, I totally, that's why I understand your position on that. But I'm also making the point that if the field is somewhat decent wisdom of crowds, the ownership will- have some value towards the projections because yeah. why would a guy be 36% owned? Why would a pitcher on an MLB slate be 47% owned if they, if they didn't, if they weren't valuable, if they did, they, it's well, very rare that a 47% pitcher should be only 6% owned. Like it, the yeah. feel, it, it's the ownership is never going to be that inefficient. Right. But I guess my question is what do you do with accurate ownership? If you don't have accurate projections to figure out where they should be owned, no, but you have, you, you have accurate. Yeah, I'm not talking about you have inaccurate projections. You just have me the you run see, of the okay, mill. Okay, all right. right. In, in that case, yeah, it's a it's a closer question for sure. Right. I'm not I'm not talking about completely inaccurate. I'm not talking about not yeah. having any project. But if yeah. you if 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 uh, 
uh, around the in, like around the industry. If you were to if you were to build your own model, for instance, right for player projections, yep. and had and perfect ownership projections, the industry is doing. Yep. Right. I yep. I would think that's worth way more, even though your your model is going to be from if you if you measured it over the course of a season or course of multiple seasons okay. it's going to be it's going to be uh, significantly enough worse that it's like I'd much rather pay 40 bucks 80 bucks whatever for better player projections but yeah. they're not horrible horrible but your ownership projections are perfect like I think yeah. that's more valuable than than right. having I'm coming around to what you're saying in in this I was it, it was a question of what you meant exactly by one of them is accurate and the other I, I didn't know what you meant like in terms of the range of the other if right. it is perfect ownership versus perfect I mean yeah give me or like you, you know more accurate than the industry I would rather have more accurate ownership projections rather than more accurate projections right yeah that's a that's a good way to put it in in relation to the industry yeah right so but that comes back to the the, the Rufus's point of if you make the case, I'm not saying that this is true. I don't play golf DFS anymore. I haven't played in a long time. Uh, but we could relate it to, to NBA. We could relate it to MLB, NFL, whatever. So like NFL, there's tons of player. Like you go to multiple places. There's tons, even places that don't even really do DFS projections, but they kind of do DFS projections. They do season long stuff, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. The differences between those sites, like you could say that one as is is three percent better, right? Accuracy. One is five percent. One ten percent, plus or minus ten percent, or something like that. Uh, if let's say the difference between them is marginal, so like I said about NBA projections, I think from a season to season basis, on average, the three sources that I named. Osmo, RG, and ETR will be on average about about the same, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if one costs twenty dollars more than the other, is it technically worth it? Probably not. But is it worth not having any? None. So like, it's up to you to decide. It's up to you in in NBA to decide, especially when people are projecting minutes. And stuff like that. It's like, who do you trust? Who do you trust more than than others? Like, any of the three places are fine, right? Yeah. It's better than than doing it yourself, trying to do it yourself, if you, especially if you don't know how. Or so you're gonna you're gonna pay something to someone for that. Yep. If one if one is 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 a thousand dollars and one is twenty bucks, probably the other the nine hundred eighty dollars ain't worth it. But if you if if it's Let's say that those projections are one percent better. Yeah, is nine hundred eighty dollars worth one percent? To me, probably. To me, it's not. But if it is to you, feel free to feel free to. Right? It's like brand name stuff at the fucking grocery store. Right. Right. I go. You know, it's like, oh, do you want Wonder Bread or do you want uh, Kroger store brand bread? Most likely, they're about they're about the same. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or even like, uh, like over the counter medication. Like, that's one thing that I never buy brand name unless it's unless it's a hotel and yet you, you have to buy the little packs and it's the only thing there. But like, there's no, there's, there's literally, they're literally the same product. Yeah, Advil and a cinnamon and uh, an ibuprofen are the yep. same product. You shouldn't be paying a dollar twenty nine more for the same bottle. But there are 
there are plenty of people that, because it's Advil and it's a brand name or Motrin or whatever, that the $1.29 is worth it for that perceived trust. But that's it for, that's only for you to judge. So for some people like me, I'm going in and I'm buying ibuprofen. I'm buying acetaminophen. I'm not buying, I'm buying the, whatever the store brand cough syrup is when I need it. Cause it's, it's literally the same product because it can't be anything else. It's a generic drug. Uh, but when it comes to cereal, I always buy brand name because I think that it tastes better. <laughs> In Does it cases, actually taste better? I have no I idea, but Honey Nut Cheerios versus the whatever the the the, yeah. the O's of Nuts and whatever, you know, kind of knockoff brand. I've Fun always fact found about me. My uncle created uh frosted Cheerios. Really? As long as we're talking Cheerios. He I mean he yeah. He gave it, I don't even think it became a big thing, but that was that was, that was his his the claim frosted to fame. Cheerios were good. I've had frosted Cheerios before. Yeah, yeah. He's a... Uh, I'm, I'm like 90% sure that that's the one that he he uh, like gave them the idea of Frosted Cheerios. Yeah. But but there's Frosted Cheerios and then there's the Frosted – there's the Cheerios with frosting in a bag that's generic. One is $4.49. One is $3.69 and they both have the same amount of Cheerios in it. Yet, I, yet I've had the generic and they don't taste as – they don't they, – do is it just perception? Is it? It does it. I think it's not, a real. They, I think it's a different formula. It's not like it's not like a drug. It's like a right. It's, it's going to be problem. slightly. Di- it's going to be slightly different. The shapes may be different. The texture may be slightly different. Now, to yeah. some people, they can't tell the difference. Right. Right. Coke and Pepsi. Right. There are a lot of people that can't tell the difference. I can tell the difference between Coke. It's bizarre. And Pepsi. Yeah. Right. I can tell the difference, the difference slightly between it. I don't mind either of them. Right. Right, I'm I'm fine with either. I prefer Coke to Pepsi, yeah. uh, but it doesn't matter that much to me. But there's a different. But like, how much is that worth? Is not a question of like, is it zero or everything? Like it's it's there's a no yes or no answer. So like, would you rather buy the 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 more expensive brand name cereal? And you, I to me, they taste different. To you, they don't. So you you pay for the cheapest thing. They're they're based on like uh, plus, uh, placebo, the placebo effect, or something like that. I guarantee you, there are people that are like, Ad, uh, Advil is quick, uh, works quicker in my headaches than the generics. Oh, for sure, there are people medically that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, but if that if that placebo effect is worth the extra dollar or something like that, who's who 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 am I to say, right? right? That that's not like that's up to the to the person, but there's a difference between I have a headache and I need to take ibuprofen. I still need ibuprofen. I still need ibuprofen. So like if I if I go to the store and all the generics are out, I'm gonna buy Advil, right? I'm gonna I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna overpay a little because I still need I'm ibuprofen. I go to a gas station. You probably don't have the option of generics at a gas station. Always. Right. Right, well, that's why I said at hotels or gas. Yeah, right, yeah. you're gonna go. You're gonna actually overpay just to get a pack of two dollars seventy right. for like two, and it's like, yeah. like, yes, is it worth it value wise? But no, but it it doesn't make it that the thing has no value. So that's right. that's the point that I was making with Rufus's projections of, like, in order to play DFS well, as a starting point, you probably need projections. Either you're making it yourself, or you're giving money to someone. You're giving something. You can make yeah. the case. Just like with people with my course, there's plenty of people that I've seen online 
right? Even people that have emailed me, even people that have DM'd me that have said $125 for a DFS course. Like I could find all that information for free, right? And I go, oh, that, that, that's fine. Go find it. Yeah. Right, go, go, go find it. If, if, if you want to do that, that's fine, right? Some people uh, let me know that $125 is way too cheap, right? Right. So that, it, and then pl- plenty of times on the pregame show, I even say, Say you could go back and watch all of these pregame shows and eventually get everything that I've ever said in in the course. How much is 500 hours of your time worth, right? Right. Here's a 15, and now it's structured for a teaching purpose. A lot of times on the shows, I'm just answering questions and things come up or whatever. So it's like, so what's the value there? So it's like, just because the fact that free exists doesn't mean that something that isn't free doesn't have value. Like the thing in and of right. itself has value. Let's say, let's say Osimo decided, you know, he won the 800 million maker or something like that, right? Finally, finally, uh, whatever the shit coin goes up to 7 trillion, right? That, that he, or that top shots, next thing you know, all those, all those uh, top shots that Alex has is worth $7 trillion. And he decides to say, I'm just going to make Osimo free for everyone, right? And then- yeah. You know what 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 people will say and they, they go, well, why should I pay Roto Grinders forty dollars a month when I get Osimo's projections for free? So I said, right. you're you're but you're asking the same question as why should I pay the extra dollar for the Advil rather than the generics? Right. It's like you're for, technically you don't you don't need to, but it doesn't make the it doesn't say that just because 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 they're more money doesn't make it like oh they're not valuable at all. Like you still need you're still gonna need projections, right? You go to the store, right. you still need food, right? Do you want to pay for the cheap cheese or the craft singles? I mean, you still have to buy cheese. So you can't just say that the oh, just because it's too expensive, it has no value to it. Right. Yeah. If I'm, you want I'm to even make if, even if you want to make that point, because like the point yeah. that Nelson was making is that uh that the Rufus's projections aren't better than the rest of the industry, or at least right. enough better for the rest of the industry and not worth the price that they are. And that's, and that's, you know, that's, that's Rufus touting or something like that. It's like, yeah, but he claims that you don't DFS projections alone won't win at DFS. Right. And no He's other projections. Will be that way also. Yeah. But you yeah, still need, but you still need. An issue with it. Right. Yeah. I, I've got no issue with it. I mean, it's even if his, even if he had his own projections free somewhere else, I don't necessarily think there would be an issue with him charging on a different site for them. I don't know. That'd be a closer call in that case. But even, you know, even if you can get other projections for free, you're not getting Rufus's projections for free. And you know, maybe, maybe you prefer right. It's the same thing. It's like that. I trust him more than others. I mean, and there's also yeah. nuances of of the project. I mean, there's nuances of 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 anything. Like, like, dude, especially when there's inputs. It's like, oh, I want to get ETR NFL projections because I want Evan Silva and Levitan's input rather than Cardi's inputs, rather than than Osimo's inputs. I mean, like, they're most likely they're going to be close to each other. They're not going to be that dramatically different, but there are going to be different to, to a some some percent, five percent difference. Yeah. How much do you value the five percent difference? That's what it is. But Objective, yeah. They're all worth they're all worth something, right? I mean, they're like yeah. go try playing DFS without having any without projecting players even in, in your head. It's a tough game. 
right? I used to, I mean, I used to do that, but I mean, I, I used to do that, but I would still get do my research and like hear what other people are saying about the players, and they're essentially giving projections. So I don't know, but yeah, it's it's a lot it's a lot easier to win with projections. And also, there's ton there's there's an immense amount of sharp players that run their process through aggregating projections. Yep. Right. Like top play, like the players that don't use, don't make their own. And they say, I'm going to just, I'm going to subscribe everywhere and grab all the projections. And maybe they even grab more than that. And they weight it accordingly to some, to, but basically it's like, okay, so why should I pay for Rufus's projections? Because it's just one more projection source that I'm putting into my aggregate and then running my optimization process on that. Right. Like there's tons of people that use, you know, that you could take one projection source, you could have multiple projection sources. The game of DFS is what you do after that. But I can under, okay, the, the, the other question would be, I mean, we talk about it on this show. Uh, I think that the unethical part or more unethical part, right? If anything, would be to claim that all you need is these projections. But Rufus yeah, isn't doing. That. Rufus doing that. isn't doing that, right? Like I can understand that the point. Be, if Jeff was going to make like, oh, Rufus, you're not profitable at golf DFS. You're selling your you're selling your projections and saying, go beat DFS with these projections. They're the best. Like then I could at least understand the point of like, well, they're not disclosing that you know DFS isn't just about having the best projections. It's the same way that. If you took Osimo's projections and said, uh, with, without changing anything or affecting any type, applying no game theory whatsoever, no correlation, no leverage, no nothing, uh, put unique players at one, right? Put everything at default. Give me the top 150 lineups, and I'm going to put that into a large field GPP. Uh, why aren't I printing? Like, we both know that you can't do that. Right. Right. So there has to be something after after that. And I think that listening, because I l- listened to the podcast, it just like Jeff doesn't play, never played DFS, right? So it doesn't understand like that. There's a game outside of that. that yeah, yeah. That you still you the, the, the Rufus's projections are still valuable, but I could still understand the point. If you want to make the if the, if the debate is all about is it worth it? To me, that's subjective. Is he charging a lot for his projections? Or something? I have no is, that, idea. is that the issue, people? Okay, I've no. I'm idea. just wondering if like if the people who are taking issues with him selling his projections is it because they're selling their own projections and they're, you know, saying yours aren't any better than mine. So why do you think you can charge this much? I, I guess no, I no, all this issue is coming from the sports bet. I'm talking about from the, the sharper from sports Jeff betting Ma. community okay. that, that is like touts are, 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 are worthless. Right. Right. Cause in sports betting, that would be true. Right. 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 In sports betting there, there is no game dynamic to it. So, so it's they like, just don't understand DFS is, is the reason they're taking it. Right. Well, that's, that's what, that's why I said, like, I don't, you, you need something to start with. Right. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it, to me, it's the same thing. Maybe if to relate it to the sports betting space, uh, if you just had the most accurate projections, like you still need to compare them to, to betting lines, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, oh, yeah, I, I project, uh, so-and-so has a 14 to one shot at winning this tournament. I'm going to go, I'm going to go now go and bet on that player. It's like, well, the game isn't about betting on who's going to win. The game is betting on the game of sports betting is betting on getting a better price than his probability, right? Which is very similar to what ownership is in right. DFS. So, how much would your projections be worth if 
uh, if you pulled up 20 different sports books and they didn't show you the odds, right. you just had zero, like it just showed you nothing. And just like, well, what golfer do you want to bet on to win this tournament? And it's like, well, according to my projections, this one's seven to one, this one's eight to one, this one's 10 to one. And it's like, okay, we're not going to tell you the odds of it. You yeah. just have to bet and just, it could be 20 to one, could be three to one. It could be like, you wouldn't be able to, what would the projections be worth at that point? Nothing. Not like yeah. knowing what the true, the true odds or the accurate odds of a golfer would mean nothing without comparing it to actual betting lines, yep. right? At the time and knowing if they're going to move or whatever. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's the same thing. It's like, imagine sports betting without odds, without the sports books actually giving you odds. And it just will randomly assign you. And like, what would, what would the, what would the I mean, if they're randomly assigned, I'd just take the highest projected. Right, right. Exactly. You would just take like, okay, I'm just going to, this guy is the most best shot of winning. Okay. So I'm going to bet him. Right, he's yeah. three to one to win, but if they're only giving it two to one, then you shouldn't be betting on it. So right. actually knowing it's three to one doesn't doesn't in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Right. And then also in sports betting, it's a matter of getting the money down, and that's a whole different conversation. Right. So like that's that's why like what listening to that, it's like like people that just don't fundamentally understand playing DFS as a game. Yeah. How is it possible that Rufus could be providing value? When one, he can't beat DFS himself, and two, he he honestly says that just with my projections, you can't do, you can't either. But right. please play this amount of money. It's like without without understanding the game, you it, it I could understand how it looks like like well, what the fuck are you doing, Rufus? Like right. <laughs> it's like here's all the well, stuff that that I can't beat the game, and but you should buy it. Does, does it, Rufus not gonna actually play DFS? I mean, is he actually Rufus like said that he's played DFS, DFS he played player? in the okay. past or whatever okay. like that before, but he's he's, never, he says that he can't, he can't beat PGA DFS and he doesn't spend much time on it or whatever. But yeah. from what I gather, the re- the reason he can't beat PGA DFS from way back is because I'm going to just plug in my, pro- like it's the, I'm going to plug in my projections and not yeah. take in, not take a- anything else into account and wonder why. Why, you know, oh, a guy a guy that had three of the worst golfers in the field, right, won because they had outlier performances. It's like, yeah, well, compared to their 3% ownership, they should have been 5% owned. It's like, yeah, but I had them as like, they wouldn't even make any of my lineups because they're, yeah, yeah because you didn't understand the, he understands that now. He understands that there right, right. is a game theory aspect. <clears throat> he just he doesn't focus because he makes most of his money yeah. in the sports. But I mean, like, that's why they don't play DFS. Because yeah. it's not a game of building the best model. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have not been following that that controversy at all, but yeah, it sounds like there's not much not much there. Right. It seems to me that if you're if you're a DFS player, like you look you you would listen to that and go, What what are you stupid? Right. Right. I'm just like like it's just like what But also, yeah. but you could you could say the same thing in reverse for the, the sports betting people. A lot of DFS people don't understand, like why why uh, sports betting picks and DFS picks are not equal. Right. Like to me, like it's it's weird for me to say, as someone that doesn't do DFS picks, that DFS picks are more valuable than sports betting picks. Would you would you would you, would you say that? Yeah. I mean, probably. I, I don't do sports betting, uh, but yeah, I would assume that they're more valuable just because. The salary doesn't change. Uh, you, you usually make your picks based on ownership. I don't know. Sure. Or e- even for, even from a value perspective, like let's say 
let's say you didn't have projections and you didn't have owner, you didn't have anything. And it's just like, I need to build, I need to build a lineup. It's like, typically if you, if, if you read MLB picks of the day or whatever, or, mm. or the stacks that you should use or the pictures, it's all based yeah. around, as I call it, it's explaining the projections to someone, right? Right. Like yeah. the top, play, the top, oh, who's the value play on the on NBA? Like, it's going to be the guy that has the highest point per dollar value in the projection. Right. <laughs> Just sort by point per dollar. Yep. Right. Right. And it's going to show, and it's going to like, the article is going to, here's the eight guys to, here's eight guys to play at all the position, right? Here's the two best thing is each position. Magically, you know, if you went to the projections, you'd find that those are the, those are the, the most inefficient salaried players, right? Like those are the, right. Like, like it, it replaces the projections to some extent, at least gives you, an instance, and also it replaces ownership to some extent because mm-hmm. those are going to be the best projected plays and most likely going to be a more owned. Pl- I mean, it has value in that. Now, most people, average players, take the picks and li- this is the this is who these people think they're going to do well. Why don't I yeah. jam all eight of them in the lineup? Oh my god, why why eight. am I not winning GPPs? All right, but it still has value. But the thing is, is it still has value because mm-hmm. if you don't have projections, that hey, if someone's going to put out rankings. The top 10 in each position, most likely they're ranked by some type of projection order. And then if they're GPP rankings, they're probably ranked in some at combination of value versus ownership. In mm-hmm. some, like it's not going to be anywhere close to accurate as actually using the projections of both sources, but it's a proxy. It's like if you didn't know anything and you just yep. said, I want to show up for hockey, right? Or let, let's say not even a correlated sport of any type. I want to show up to... NBA, which has limited correlation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know anything about NBA. I don't know any of the players, don't know anything whatsoever. I'm just going to go to a site's rankings for for cash games. And it's like, okay, I could build a high median lineup. I'm going to go to the rankings for GPPs and I can build a lineup. It's like, well, as long as I don't play the top at each thing, I could piece it together. You could piece together a directionally accurate, enough, probably not enough to be profitable, but at least... Not a bad, bad lineup yeah. as a proxy, but in sports betting, you can't do that. On a sports betting, right. there's no such, there's no such element as that. If you get someone's picks, it's like, okay, uh, what the, the game, the I'm going to be starts at six 45 today. So at six 30, I'm going to open up my favorite touts betting picks for the day. And they pick the blue Jays, the Yankees and the Dodgers. And I'm going to go and I'm going to bet on the, those, those games. It's like, like, dude, at eight o'clock, those lines were way different than right. they are now. You, like yeah. how much are they worth? Like how, what are those bets worth anymore? Like they're not worth anything. I mean, can you, couldn't you just have a, a website that automatically updates as a line changes to whether this is plus EV? I mean, changes the, the EV of the bet based on whatever the pick is at that point, whatever the actual number that, is. That, uh, you're, 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 you're asking for something that I've, I've talked, I've, in, I've, I've, I've said before. I think that uh, I, Osmo Odd Shopper might even sort of do that. I don't. Maybe right, well, I, I don't sports bet, so I don't actually know. Right. <laughs> so think, comparison tools like that, sure. I I yeah. I would be much more inclined to not be against sports betting picks if, like, you're you're mentioning something that I th- I think should be in the industry that isn't. Right. It seems so obvious. That's like no, right? it does not. Not no, Neil. Oh, you're okay. so naive. I am. I am. I, I don't You're so that. naive. Imagine, imagine you showing up an hour before 
uh, at noon before NFL games and wanting to bet on the games mm-hmm. and then going to uh, your favorite tout sites picks and go, here are the picks. Here's the picks for the games. And all of them have big red things saying that uh, this bet is now negative. EV. Just, yeah. Right. Now, now imagine doing, imagine shoving. Well, that's accurate. All right. So, it's yeah. A, so, yeah so, you're absolutely well, right. Naive accurate. In that it would be useful, but it's, yeah, but it's not going to, people aren't going to make it because they're not going to, who wants to go to that website and see that there's no good bets right now? You're right. That's the reason. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> because there aren't any good bets. So it's like, like you're betting on closing lines of NFL. There's, there's no, there's no good bets. There's no, there's, there's, right. there's nothing there. So like, so why, why are you either number one going there and providing affiliate or advertising income or why, why, why you're subscribing and paying some type of fee for that? Like it's, it's a, it's a business Right. reason because the average 95 percent of the public is like well, who do you like in the game they don't care if it at boston a uh, red sox minus 172 versus one fifth minus 158 what do i care about the 14 cents it's like yeah like well you should care about the 14 cents and i believe that the better that sports betting content should include that information the problem is is that what it ends up happening is that you're edge you you're actively educating your audience and making it so that what it becomes why why am I here? Because right. there's nothing that now you're providing me with like n- nothing. It's like oh so so you're making it so that uh, that all the content you put out I can't actually use. Right. Right. Because that's that paradox that that happens. Right. So like like just like the like prop betting, for instance. Uh, I've always, because I've said this type of stuff before, and they go, oh, we'll have a prop betting. I said, prop betting is easy to beat, right? The, easy to beat the lines. It's hard to make a lot of money, right? That's the that's the issue. So if you were to pay for statistical projections for prop betting, or even prop picks, because a lot of times these lines don't even move that much that quickly, or you could find a stale line somewhere or whatever, the problem is, is that uh, you'll you're gonna you're gonna win you could win more than sixty percent of your bets, but at some point you're only gonna be able to bet six dollars, right? Right, like it's like it's at some point you're not gonna. The problem is getting the money down, not the yeah. beating the line. So like, if you advertise prop betting picks or you know some type of Discord with that or whatever, uh. And I don't think this is as much of a problem because no one says anything. Uh, you're not going to make a ton of money doing this. Like, if you want beer money, you can do that. Like, like if if you're a te- if you're a ten dollar better, like, and you find that paying X whatever monthly price for you know twenty sports prop betting picks or whatever type of thing, if you find value in that, that's fine. But like, you ain't turning, you ain't making, you ain't making a hundred thousand dollars, you know, on on these on these picks, but. I, I have to admit you're you're probably going to be profitable, right? Yeah. You're probably going to be as long as you're able to find the best line and and but you you could be just you can't make a you shouldn't be paying a thousand dollars a month for this stuff because you're right. never going to make that back. Same reason why you shouldn't be paying ninety nine dollars a month for projections when you're playing the dime time contest. Right. Right. That's just like I mean. you're not you're, you're you're paying the rake and you're paying a hundred dollars a month. You can't you're not going to make enough money at that level. For it to even yeah. be worth, unless you're doing it because you want to eventually step up sure. past yeah. that, you're learning and whatever. But to me, to me, the, the sports, to me, 
I'm, the sports betting content issue I have is more about disclosure rather than I'm not anti it. I mean, I find no value in it, but I can understand like in our conversation, people have perceived value type of thing. If you're viewing it purely as entertainment, right? I I have no charge whatever you want and do whatever the hell you want. Right? Just like right. if it's if it, if you're doing purely it now that's totally subjective, right? Someone would pay $500 to see the next Star Wars movie for whatever reason, like an oh, yeah. hour earlier than someone else. I mean, that's all in the eye of the beholder when it comes to entertainment value, yeah. right? I pay for a streaming service. And it's like, oh, there's nothing on there that I like. It's like, but there's stuff on there that I like. You think it's right. overpriced? I don't think so. So like, that's one thing. But the, the problem is the disclosures. I wish I wish there was more, there was more education and more disclosures, even though 95% of people will not heed the education and not care about right. the disclosures, but at least it's there. So I'm, I'm, I'm still like free market caveat emptor type of thing. But <laughs> like your, your idea is, it, I mean, that's, that would be a perfect world of, mm -hmm. yeah, they could put up their bets, but they're putting up their bets at a certain line at a certain price at a certain time. And then there should be some dynamic thing that, when it goes under when when it goes underneath that line or moves or whatever like that, it says this bet is now whatever EV or whatever like that. And sometimes maybe the bet is still profitable according to whatever you know. It's it all, the line only moved two cents, but it's still fine, type of thing. Right. But then you That's get the I mean. problem that why did the line only move two cents by the time it's eight hours later? So it may not be a good bet to begin with. That's a whole paradox there. But at least that it's in front of people, and we all right. know. That no matter what you put in front of people, they ain't gonna fucking. Most people aren't gonna read it anyway, right? Right. Like, yeah. but it just it just satisfies that. the at least the disclosure. It shouldn't yeah. be in and small and small. Nobody fucking can accuse print. you of scamming if you're if you're putting right. up a disclosure. Right. Right. Just yeah. upfront and whatever, but not in small big. Like in small print, you'll see, you'll find like on on DFS sites on small pr print, it's like uh, the hosts and the and the, the people and it's just are free to employ strategies that they do, do not discuss on this show. Like like. Like basically really? saying that, that, right? Yeah, that, that, that you'll you'll find that. I don't think it's required, but a lot of people they put it in that, or this is for entertainment purposes only. You know, no whatever. Like we do not guarantee what. But that's all in like, dude. You have to go. You know, check the CSS in your browser inspector in order to find. I just wish yeah. there was more disclosure, but there's no sell. There's no selling point in that disclosure. The market does not value that because the market is stupid. The market is stupid. Right. As we know. So, Neil, when do you start doing betting picks? <laughs> the funny thing is, I was literally just this morning added to a sports betting channel on the Osmo Slack. So I'm like, I don't know what this means. Nobody's talked to me about doing sports betting content. I'd rather not do it because I, I don't, I don't sports bet. But uh, I was just added to a sports betting channel. So uh, hopefully never. Hopefully never is the answer. What, what, just... But what if, what if Osmo subscribers came to you? And go, Neil. We know you. You don't bet on sports. We know that you, you, you provide you provide no mathematical value to sports betting, but we, we, and we know that it's that that, and we also know that it's not about picking who's going to win the game, right? It's the yeah. price on the line. But I value your opinion, and uh, even though you're you don't do it professionally, you have no experience doing it. Uh, I would watch you for ten minutes. Go through you go through the NFL slates or props and go. This looks too low. That looks too high. If I and say I'm not betting on this because I don't caveat. bet on sports. But yeah. if I were to bet, here are four bets that I would make 
If someone, yeah. if if you presented it that way, and someone's like, "I'm willing to watch that. I'm willing to keep my subscription for that." Like, yeah. is there anything inherently wrong with that? No. If if, if with all of those caveats, I don't see anything inherently wrong with it. Right. So to, sure. so to me, that's 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 that to me that's the issue. So feel free to put your sports picks and your bets and uh, and whatever type of thing. Right. That's perfectly yeah. fine. I just would rather not do it because it's not something I think about. I don't want to have to like do content for something that I don't really care about. I don't want to have to think about it too much. Now, if, if it becomes legal in Minnesota and I can start doing it more and thinking about it more, then sure, maybe. But it's like DFS. I enjoy doing the content because it's something that I've been thinking about for uh, nine years now. I've been playing DFS. Mm-hmm. So I, it's you know it's been a big part of my life. So I'm, I, I've thought about it a lot. I'm happy to talk about it. Whereas sports betting, I'm like, this is brand new to me. I, I just I don't I'd rather not, but we'll I can, I could talk about sports betting. It's just that, that my sports betting experience is doesn't, is the opposite of what everyone does. I was, I would, I just did arbitrage. So like, I didn't, I didn't really fucking care about this. It's just, I would be the guy bet whatever you want. Right. I just, right, like, right. like, dude, all you have to do is find, find the lowest hold bets, wait for live movement, capture in the middle and just, you know, you capture three cents in the middle. Good. Guaranteed profit. There you go. Three cents here, six cents there. Maybe some big line moves. You could find 15 cents, 16, you know, 20 cents. Don't you get limited really quickly when you do that? No, because you're making straight bets. You're making sides and totals. You're making straight bets. As long as you're not doing it on the on the same book, you're fine. Oh, I see. I see. That right, because all, all when, when I was part part of a little sports betting syndicate back when I was in my poker days, all, all we do is uh, uh, track line movement for all the, the sports books. And it was easy back then. It was 2005-ish. Uh, and we'd bet uh, uh, overnights in baseball. So that's all we did was baseball. So you'd bet overnights in baseball. Typically, you were betting on dogs and unders. Uh, and typically, the and the lines would move in your favor almost all the time uh, because people like betting overs and uh, favorites. Yep. Uh and you just capture, you'd bet the other side, but you have to bet it at the another, but like you have to track, it was a little bit more complicated than that because you still have to yep. track where the lines would typically move on which books. So it's essentially you're betting, you're betting a dog at, uh, you're betting a, uh, no, you bet the favorite early. You bet the, the favorites and the overs early and the dogs and the unders late. So you'd bet the favorite at like minus 150, Right. And this is back in the day, this is all offshore. So you're getting nickel and dime lines on a lot of books, except for the the pure retail type books that had 20 cent lines. So minus 150, and then at half an hour before the game, it's now at minus 175, right? And it's plus one, 168. You're getting like a seven cent line. So you just, you just bet minus 150 and you're getting plus 168 on the other side. That's 18 cents in between that you're capturing nine cents there. So mm-hmm. you put you put it into a little calculator that we had, like an Excel, that'll show like if you bet on this side for this price, what bet on that side and that price that where it evens out the amount of money, right? So the, either side wins, you you capture. You know if you're betting like five grand a side, like like here, here's here's a hundred eighty bucks. Like it's just and it doesn't matter who wins, right? Guys, because yeah, you capture it in the middle, Free money, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, most days, a lot of times you're buying out of your own positions. See, there's a there's a risk of paying, but at at nickel and dime lines, the vig is the hold is very small. So even if the line only moves like a nick moves three cents, 
we could buy out the other side and, and get, like we could buy out the other side and take a guaranteed like one percent loss, or we could we could maintain a certain position. We could just go like just you know bet bet four grand on that side. We'll have a small position on one side. And it's like so if the Yankees win, we make six hundred bucks, and if the Yankees lose, we lose three hundred bucks. But there's we don't want to guarantee a loss or something like that, depending right. on if the, if the line moves or whatever. Uh, but typically we were, we were able to find, uh, on an average in a given day, uh, two, two to three line arbitrage opportunities and capture huh. money in between, as long as you're build, betting on two different books. And right? who are these people that you were in this syndicate with? There's, uh, uh there's some, uh, Asian NYU students. Okay. Right. Nice. That, 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 that played, that played poker that, that also, uh, you know, like two of them had computer science, they were computer science yeah. majors and right. So, but, but they, they weren't, they weren't, the thing is, is that they, they weren't, uh, building models to project baseball. They were building models to project line movement. Right. Right. Cause that they're, they're, these are, these are degenerate gamblers also. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're like, they're like. Well, these these lines move this way, and these lines move that way. So if we just track how the line movement goes, where are the edges? Right, that edge is probably those types of edges are gone. Like second, like I know that there's one classic one with second half basketball lines that books wouldn't change them depending on the first half score. And it's like, well, that's free money, right? Because if it's underscoring in the first half, then like there's no way this overhits as many of the times that it should, right? So they wouldn't moving those lines. So it was, it was the same type of thing as like we we just found that overnights were just so inefficient lines that on average on a twelve game tw- a day with twelve baseball games that we may, we'd be able to find on average two to three that would move past the point of a dime uh, of more than ten cents. So on average, if we just like bet blindly on one side. Favorites, favorites, and uh, overs early, and dogs and unders late. That on average, yeah, we'd be able to capture money in between. But, and but the main problem with that, the issue with doing that back, the pain in the ass was moving the money around. Yeah. That was ninety. That was like ninety nine percent of our problems. It had that's, nothing that's to do I've with actually gonna... beating anything. It was you just know, that... you know uh, a really profitable tactic that I recently learned is so you go into a game, you know who the favorite is, right? You know who you think is going to win. Well, if they get behind, that's when you bet on them because then you have better odds. You get better odds. <laughs> Boom value. <laughs> <laughs> Boom value. Right. No, no, no concern for probability or anything like that. Just, just yeah, yeah. The set, like, the, you know what, you know what I do? I do the extreme version of that because, like, dude, you know the amount of value I get when I, you know, if I'm going to bet on the on the favorite minus one forty before the game. I'm gonna mm. wait. I, I I usually could get this like once per season. I'll wait for them to be down four touchdowns at yeah. the two minute warning of the fourth quarter, and bet them plus forty thousand. Like it's I don't think. I, I mean, come on. Like it's good value. dude, everyone's getting minus minus one one fifty. I got plus forty thousand. Boom value. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that we're getting to the real stuff. You're really gonna make a lot of money on your YouTube channel this year, I think. Right. Yes. With all of this good profit talk. <laughs> Uh, player QDFS on Twitter, right? Correct. And uh, it's fixed. Should, Fridays on the awesome YouTube. Should should we should people reach out and 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 wish you a better wish you for a an end to the downswing? Yeah, they should. Um, it's been brutal. This is the the worst downswing of my career. So uh, 
I mean, you could just you can just pray for me. Just pray for me. Thoughts and oh, prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, okay. No need to reach out. You can just you know privately. Right, privately. In, send me, send in, me good vibes. Right. Send good vibes and then put comment code in the CSVs. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Put it on the site. You know where where all the information from Fanduel and Draft, like Willow salaries are. That really doesn't matter when you upload. When you upload your CSV tonight and the next night, put your thoughts and prayers in in those cells. Right. Yeah, exactly. Especially a hubro. If you could just, you know, enter some thoughts and prayers instead of your lineups, that would be plus EV for me, I think. Right. If, if a hubro just didn't enter his lineups at all, that would be plus EV. Exactly. That's what right. I'm saying. <laughs> okay. As always, you can get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15 hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.